Hello everyone, welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanfights Weekly News Show, rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host at a Fanbyte Media, John Warren. I hope everyone's had a restful weekend and are looking forward to the upcoming week. Uh, I'm pretty good. I took a, a pretty big break this past week. I only had a two-day work week and it was very lovely. Everyone should do that if they're able at some point. Uh, I've got a really great show for you today. My guest is going to be Mike Williams. He is a staff writer, of course, here at fanfight.com, but also pays a lot of attention to streaming services and the TV film industry. We had a really great conversation, really lengthy, beefy conversation about the state of streaming today. Uh, But first, let's uh, get you caught up with uh, this week's headlines. Wall Street Journal reported this week that Meta Chief Operating Officer, that's formerly Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, has been involved in a series of cover-ups involving an article about ex-boyfriend Bobby Kotick, who is, of course, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, uh, cover-ups involving the Daily Mail, a publication from the UK uh, that has a digital edition. That digital edition was going to run a story twice on two separate occasions, once in 2016 and once in 2019, about an ex-girlfriend of Bobby Kotick's who filed a restraining order against him and said he was controlling and had a habit of stalking her. Uh, The cover-ups involved a group of people, uh, especially in 2016. Sheryl Standberg used some folks at Facebook at the time, as well as some folks at Activision Blizzard, to run a campaign against the Daily Mail from reporting that. In 2019, she took a more hands-on approach, calling the Daily Mail and leveraging her position as a very valuable news aggregator for someone like the Daily Mail, and suggesting that they don't run the piece. Now, people close to the situation say they wanted the piece killed because the restraining order had been dissolved, which is true, and the ex-girlfriend had recanted some of the details of her testimony. That being said, this was still a coordinated effort to get a real restraining order that was granted, even if it was dissolved, and a real testimony, only parts parts of it were recanted, about Bobby Kotick painting him as a controlling and a creepy guy. They wanted that out of the picture uh, all the way back in 2016 and 2019. Um, Now that this is out there, uh, (laughs) it uh, keeps uh, piling on to the ongoing narrative that Bobby Kotick uh, has uh, uh, leveraged his position to create a very toxic, toxic environment there at Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard also announced this week that they have appointed Substack Vice President of Communications Lulu Chang Messervi to their board of directors. Uh, also joining the board, if the nomination goes through, will be Carrie Carr, who is the Senior Vice President of Global Performance Management, Revenue Growth Management, and Shared Services, that's a full title, at Bacardi Limited. Uh, Carrie Carr would then serve on the audit committee, while Missouri would actually uh, be on the Workplace Responsibility Committee, which has a lot of responsibilities right now to both its own shareholders and also the process of Microsoft's eventual uh, acquisition. Uh, Now, you might be thinking, gosh, uh, (laughs) Substack and Bacardi, blogging and alcohol. Well, uh, the, for Bacardi's part, obviously, Kerry Cars had a lot of positions within that company and other companies that all have to do with growth management as well as 
resource allocation, which are things that Activision Blizzard could definitely use some pointers in. Or Maservi's part, um, Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg brought up the uh, tweet that she made not that long ago about hiring at Substack. The tweet in question said, hey, Substack is hiring. If you're a Twitter employee who's considering resigning because you're worried about Elon Musk pushing for less regulated speech, please do not come work here. Now, Substack is a uh, newsletter subscription platform. It's a way that people who have subscription newsletters can get paid to do so. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has one, but there are other folks on the service like Glenn Greenwald and Barry Weiss and um, maybe most notably transphobe and IT crowd creator Graham Linehan that used the service. A lot of the I'm just asking questions crowd and Lulu Chang Masurvi is a big proponent, outspoken proponent of free speech, even if it's hate speech. Uh, and so her uh, appointing uh, appointment to the board is a little bit of a head scratcher. I'm not saying she's not a talented executive. And I'm not saying that at all, but it is consistent with the kind of idea of um, the board that Activision Blizzard currently has. Now, adding two women to the board absolutely diversifies it for a company that seriously, seriously needs it. So that's a good thing. It's just it's a little bit of a head scratcher, I guess. <laughs> but that's what's going on with Activision Blizzard right now. Nintendo has been basically unscathed from a lot of the labor issues that we've been talking about for the past couple of years, but no longer. Uh, Nintendo of America has been actually hit with a labor complaint saying the company has been interfering with attempts to organize within the company. Some of the specifics aren't totally clear, uh, but the complaints listing says uh, cites coercive actions such as surveillance, coercive statements, including threats and promises of benefits, concerted activities, which includes retaliation or disciplinary actions and layoffs of and refusing to hire people. Um, and that's a lot. And today, uh, on Friday, uh, as I'm recording this, uh, Ethan Gatch and Sissy Jang over at Kotaku wrote a really, really interesting deep dive and they talked to some folks over at Nintendo uh, about what's going on. Uh, one, of the, one of the really interesting uh, notes from the piece, which you should go read, again, it's over at Kotaku, says, quote, Employees Kotaku spoke with describe a two-tiered system where temporary workers are cycled through outside agencies on 11-month contracts with mandatory two-month breaks in between. They say they can apply for unemployment during that time but remain without access to health benefits and breaks between contracts can sometimes last much longer. Uh, these types of mandatory breaks between contracts are something Microsoft famously put into practice after it lost a historic $97 million class action lawsuit to thousands of them. And a permatemp employees at the company, end quote. Um, th this is obviously a developing story. Nintendo has uh, been very locked up tight about their own labor practices, both in America and overseas in Japan. Um, often these kind of issues, uh, you know, folks that are contract, they'll get hired full time, but the bump in pay is not that significant. And it's kind of the idea of while you're paying, you're, you're, you're working for a dream company like Nintendo, you're working on Mario, you're working on Zelda, you're going to do it for less money. And at least so far, they've kind of gotten away with that. Um, one of the things that Nintendo would have rather you've talked about this week is the updated release date of Splatoon 3. 
information that they dropped not long after the Kotaku piece about the labor complaint hit uh, the internet. Uh, Splatoon 3 will be available on September 9th, 2022. I really want you to talk about that this weekend and not the labor stuff. Don't don't let him do that. Uh, hey, PAX East is going on right now. Gearbox had a panel and announced that a brand new Tales from the Borderlands game is being developed. It's a sequel to Tales from the Borderlands. Tales from Borderlands, if you if you recall, is a telltale game uh, or was a telltale game, a point and click adventure with some other elements taking place in the Borderlands universe. It's by far the best Borderlands game uh, with the best writing in the series and uh, people were excited about this. Now, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's being developed by Gearbox in-house instead of Telltale. Uh, but this is exciting news for folks that are maybe a little bit tired of the Tiny Tina's Wonderlands and the Borderlands 3. I don't know if those have really set the world on fire the way they wanted them to. Well, Tiny Tina's doing pretty well. But Tales from the Borderlands is getting a sequel, and that is good news to many. Uh, which is very exciting. Uh, Amy Hinnick is getting uh, a chance at making a Star Wars game. Uh, she's a, a writer for Uncharted. Uh, and that first Star Wars project she worked on that was canceled by EA back in 2017 uh, is one of those big what ifs in the games industry. Uh, and uh, she's going to be working with Skydance New Media on creating a game in the Star Wars universe, which is exciting news for folks that, uh, that think she's a good writer. And I think she is. So we'll see. We will see what happens. Hey, uh, remember when uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was supposed to come out in September? Well, now it seems like that they're making room for Splatoon 3 to sit alone. And they're moving the release date up of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to July. July 29th for Switch is when that game will come out. There is a brand new trailer out for the game uh, that showcases a bunch of new characters that we really haven't seen before. Uh, you should go check out that trailer. It's over on fanbyte.com. Kenneth Shepard did a nice write-up of the uh, of the news, which is uh, pretty shocking. So it sounds like we'll have a big, meaty JRPG to sink our teeth into uh, late into the summer, which is pretty cool. Uh, there are also scuttlebutt late this week, maybe some more developments over the weekend. We'll see that Blackstone and KKR are among private equity firms vying for possible buyout of Ubisoft. Uh, we don't have a ton of details about this yet. Ubisoft has not entered into serious negotiations with any potential potential acquisition partners, but there is some movement among actual private equity firms looking at this move. This has happened before. But uh, I would say that actual names of uh, private equity firms sniffing around the property uh, is definitely a development that we should keep an eye on. My guest this week is a staff writer here at fanbyte.com, but he's also he's also got his finger on the pulse of things like Netflix and and streaming services and TV and film. He likes to tweet a lot about it. And so I wanted to pick his brain about a lot of things that have been happening with Netflix and other streaming services this week and beyond. Uh, it's Mike Williams. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hello. How is everyone doing on this fantastic morning? Is it fantastic is where you are? Is it is it nice out? Uh, I mean, it, it's real nice out. Uh, it's, okay. a, it's a it's a little a little bit cold, but I like a little bit of crispness okay. on yeah. my uh, 
on my thing. I I I I did like lose a bit of sleep. We have a new cat, and new cat mm. and oldest cat are not necessarily getting along. So, oh no, do they get into little tussles? Oh yes. Oh, oh they no. Get, and, and oldest cat has has some pipes on her. She. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So, it it it's been fun. The not ideal. Fun. No. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully that clears up soon. Um, I know what it's like to have two animals that don't always get along. Right before this very call, I had to break up a fight between my two little dogs who I think they were fighting over a lightning bug that was on the ground um, (laughs) in the house and it got out of control. And you just have to you have to spray them and they they get the picture anyway. We're not here to talk about animals fighting. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, streaming services fighting. Um, Netflix has had a really, really bonkers uh, past few months, but this past week has probably been the most notable in recent history, I would say. Um, in the nuttiest nutshell, Mike, wh- what's been happening with, uh, with, with one of the oldest streaming services still available today? So what ended up happening is uh, Netflix had to give its uh, first quarter 2022 earnings release on Tuesday. Mm. And um, essentially they said, hey, uh, we actually lost 200,000 subscribers in in the first quarter. And uh, by the way, we also maybe expect to lose another 2 million in the second quarter. (laughs) Um, And that just started this uh, not fire sale. I I, I think what a lot of people don't understand maybe about business and Wall Street is a lot of it is based on perception. Yes, 100%. And Netflix was perceived to be invincible. Um, Yes. Like they they have for many years, and it's one of those things that like – been spending into debt, throwing a lot of money at top level creatives. Uh, they paid a lot of money for Ryan Murphy, Kenya Bear, Shonda Rhimes, uh, like big deals, uh, big salaries for creatives, promising a lot of freedom. Um, and since all of this has been working, and they were the first, mm-hmm. uh, it 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 had buoyed their stock price very high and they hadn't really taken any hits for it. And, right. and the hits finally came all at once with this report. Yeah. And, and like for some context about why they lost subscribers, I mean, some of that is because of the ongoing conflict in, in, in Ukraine. Is, is that correct? Yes. So, so they, they said they cut services in Russia, but also they had service in Ukraine and they, they even said specifically like, Hey, we would have added 500,000 subscribers in quarter one if all that hadn't happened. Right. Um, if we had not if we had not taken this stand or whatever, we we would have been fine. But because we did that, that's 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 the reason. But is that the whole story? Do we think? Uh, so the the other, of course, side of this, and again, the 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 problem here is is that Netflix did the 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 chink in the armor. I think if they had just let the numbers lie, they might have survived uh, a lot of 
the reporting and stories around it. Right. But when they said, oh, we expect to lose another $2 million, then <laughs> there were a whole bunch of other stories that came alongside this. And one of them was networks is, uh, Netflix is cracking down on password sharing. Yeah. So, like, currently a lot of people usually in families tend to share the Netflix account, like a single Netflix account between, like, three or four people. Mm-hmm. And... Netflix has been, for the most part, fine with that. They've been threatening to do something about it, um, you know, so that uh, instead of sharing, maybe uh, get a more expensive family plan or everyone gets their own account. Um, they they announced, hey, we're actually going to do something about that. And right. then at the same time, they also said, hey, we're also looking into launching ad-supported cheaper streaming plans. Um, and in their sort of investors call, they're like, and we're also, you know, maybe thinking about tightening the belt a little bit on shows and stuff. So basically they had the report, which was one story, but when you add the other stories, it is definitely of a, a Netflix that is looking towards the immediate future and going, Oh, Oh, we can't do this forever. Forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. And I mean, one one of the one of the major stories, you know, you've said, yeah, we might might start thinking about tightening the belt. That a lot of that conversation was centered around the the news that they're spending thirty million dollars an episode on the upcoming season of Stranger Things, which is an astonishing amount of money if that's true. Yeah, so they also, and that's the the second half of these stories. Yeah. Well, basically, they had the the fact that they're spending thirty million per episode on Stranger Things season four, of which season four is split into two parts, and I think there's still a fifth season after that. Yes, that's correct. Um, they're they're doing a two part fourth season, and my my hunch is they will also do a two part final fifth season. Yeah. yeah, and thirty million per episode for uh, a season of television is absurd. It's absurd. Uh, currently we are at around 15. Uh, that was how much the last season of game of Thrones mm-hmm. cost. And that is generally about how much the Marvel series costs. Um, they basically throw a full film budget at a full season of Marvel and then leave it to the, uh, show running team to figure out how many episodes they actually want. Um, so it it's it's an absurd amount of like double like Game of Thrones takes you to an entirely different place. <laughs> yeah. um, so so a lot of that is location shooting, uh, you know, uh, CG, uh, moving your your crew, like set dressing, like an entire place. Um, and I don't understand what, like, Stranger Things just takes place in the world, like, outside it's, of it's the ups- fucking indie. It's a fucking Indiana for the most part, yeah. Right. So outside, outside of, of the Upside Down, which is their alternate dark version mm-hmm. of the world, yeah. I I just cannot fathom what requires thirty million dollars per episode. 
Yeah, I saw I saw I saw someone imply that maybe every episode takes place in the upside down, although it doesn't look like that's true when you see the thing for for some budgetary context, because the mid budget films, they they exist, but they're dying. And and an example, a recent example is everything everywhere all at once, which had a twenty five million dollar budget. So for one film, which is a highly acclaimed visual effects laden uh uh, film, um, $25 million, $30 million per episode for Stranger Things season four. It's just an, it, it feels, it feels like kind of out of control hubris or something to me. I don't know how, I don't know what your read on it is. Uh, and I mean, it, it's their flagship show. Yeah. So, so it, 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 yeah. So it makes sense in a way, but it's still wild. Right. And, and, and what's, what's essentially probably happening is they said, yeah, do whatever. And the blank check, like when you have a blank check, mm. it just adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that is probably like cast salaries as well, but also like, like I don't even remember some of these kids. Like you can get rid of some of them. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it it's, it's, it's a whole lot. And then of course, at the same time, while, while um, that story is happening, uh, there are, so that was a, an actual an item in the middle of a larger story. Um, and part of that was also talking about the fact that, hey, maybe one of their creator deals, uh, and I, I mentioned before that they, they had paid a lot of money to certain television creatives, like big deals, mm-hmm. and not all of those worked out. Um, right. And the assumption is uh, the the one that is mentioned in the story they do not name the person but the assumption is that it is Ryan Murphy of Glee mm. and American Horror Story fame because his Netflix shows have failed to find traction in a longer term uh as compared to Shonda Rhimes who did Bridgerton which was a hit right. and uh Inventing Anna which wasn't as much of a hit but still like Ryan Murphy's Netflix shows have not found any traction whatsoever. Yeah. Even anecdotally, uh, inventing Anna had like a few weeks where people seem to be talking about it a lot, but like no one really talks about like the politician, um, or, uh, or other Ryan Murphy Netflix shows that have, that have come and gone. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, they do seem to be throwing, um, good money after bad in some ways. Right. Um, and, and, and the rap had a, a story that again, followed all of this. And I, and I think again, the, the part of the problem is the, the additional mm. hits and the rap mm. had a story that Netflix animation, uh, was like being cut gutted, like mm. Netflix is pulling back as much, um, and this has gone alongside some cancellations that the show, the the, the service has had recently. Um, some of them made sense. Uh, the two being Jupiter's Legacy, uh, which was their their shot at their superhero show, and Cowboy Bebop. And both of those were probably for the same reason. Like they did okay in the Nielsen ratings. Yeah, but they were probably prohibitively expensive to produce um, versus the ratings that they got. Like they didn't get a ton. Uh, And 
one of the reports sort of hints towards this. The issue is, is that now they're looking for Squid Games. Um, um, right. Which Squid Game didn't cost a lot. Right. But it did a whole bunch. Yeah. And yeah. so post Squid Game, they're looking at everything they got and they're like, but how much did we spend versus how much, how much, how many viewers is this bringing in? How many new viewers is this bringing in? Uh, are we, are we making some sort of cultural impact? Um, another one that uh, cancellation that still mystifies me, archive 81, as far as the Nielsen and Netflix's own ratings are concerned, archive 81 was a, a hit. It didn't have a long tail. It was a hit for like, two or three weeks, but it was yeah. a legitimate hit for those two or three weeks. Yeah. But that was also canceled. And and I don't think that can be an expense issue either because it doesn't look like a particularly expensive show. Sure. Um, so maybe there's, and an, as part of the, the animation uh, story, there's this thing that Netflix is very, has very, Detailed metrics, but very opaque metrics to creatives. Mm. So creatives don't necessarily have an idea of of why necessarily they're failing. Netflix can always prove it with numbers, but right. there's no way to to for the creatives to go. Well, what about this specific thing here? Or or there's issues with how Netflix uh, promotes stuff. Uh, a while back, the Babysitters Club um, was also canceled on Netflix, and the creative from that show, the lead creative, was essentially saying, "Like, yeah, I mean, we, our budget isn't super huge. Uh, we're only a modest hit, but like the reviews are really great, and the people who love it really love it. Yeah. But for Netflix, that isn't enough, and." We could never really like we couldn't promote because they don't really have marketing like that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things that would happen in normal TV just don't happen there. It it is strange to watch a company. I mean, I guess it's not that strange because companies have been doing this forever. But it it is strange to to watch a company, especially um, one that has done so well in the past, taking kind of creative risks and. Um, you know, trying stuff that had not really been done before. It's bizarre to see them see something work like Squid Game um, could put the pieces together like, hey, this didn't cost a lot to make, but it was unique and it was high quality and it was something unexpected. Um, let's let's dial up the you know, let's dial it up to like a million on how much we spend uh, and then cancel shit when it doesn't work out the way we think it does. Um, it's, it's a very strange thing. I would love more than anything to see the financials on that Cowboy Bebop show. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's gonna, it, it, I, I'm pretty sure Cowboy Bebop was very expensive. Um, as was Jupiter's legacy. And yeah. there's one coming up that I think, and it was really weird because, um, in one of the stories, I, I think the one with, uh, uh, where they talked about Stranger Things being $30 million per episode. They right. mentioned that Cowboy Bebop, in Netflix's mind, was the kind of show that could um, appeal to the Squid Game audience. 
with the idea, I assume it's based on a foreign property. Right. Um, but that doesn't make sense. Like that's, I know that's clearly not even like the same audience at all. Uh, no, like, like, like even if you take out the Cowboy Bebop anime people that would watch a live action thing, like mm-hmm. the show that you made is like a sci-fi heisty thing. Like that's, it's not even in the same. And anyone no. could tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It's, 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 it would be like my mom, um, watching trailers of two completely disparate things and then assuming those things are connected, which she does all the time. She's like, Oh, if you liked the matrix, you would love, uh, the lake house. And I'm like, no, 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 they, 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 they're both (laughs) sci-fi in a stupid way, but mom, those things are not connected. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't understand who is making these decisions for the most part. Do, do we, do we have insight on who is the creative mind behind a lot of these decisions? We do not. The, the 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 word from the street is it's data and top mm. executives like Ted Sarandos, who is the CEO. Um, yeah. But it it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense. And and so like part of it, you were talking about uh, other streamers, and, and purely from an audience standpoint, Netflix owns streaming. Still, they're so huge. Um, like if you look at the Nielsen's top 10, they, they update it every week. Yep. The Nielsen top 10s are usually, uh, and I have the current one up. It's all Netflix except for, uh, at number eight, Amazon's the marvelous Miss Maisel. And there wow. are, <laughs> there are shows that occasionally break through. Amazon has the boys, which is yep. fairly big. Jack, uh, the recent Reacher sh- series also did very well for Amazon. I don't know why, but I, like <laughs> it looks, it looks like middling TV to me. But apparently, it really hit. Oh, the, those con- those conservative dads around the world love that shit, yeah. and there are a lot, there are a lot of those. So yeah, uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel is another one. Uh, Disney Plus pretty much hits purely on the back of Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah. So whenever mm-hmm. a Marvel that can crack the top 10, but for the most part, otherwise Netflix owns streaming. There it's are, it's two, it's two, it's also 222 million subscribers. HBO, HBO max combined for about 77 Disney plus is at one thirty. So just for some context, like it feels like with reports and PR and stuff that HBO, HBO Max and Disney Plus and some other streaming services are doing gangbusters and they're doing well. I mean, they're growing in, in a lot of ways, but it's like Netflix is still really, really got a lot of the stuff cornered as as you've described with a lot of the shows in the top 10. Right. And and so and, and like I said, culturally, they, they sort of lose a step like HBO Max. Uh, feels like it has a better content spread compared to all, most of the, the services, yeah. at least to me. It does um, to me too. Yeah. And it probably didn't help that Netflix has been spending hard to creatives in Hollywood to get an Oscar. And then mm. uh, Coda wins, which uh, was Apple. Apple. Yep. Um, and so like culturally, it, it feels like Netflix took a punch there at the Oscars as well. Um, but like from a pure numbers and audience perspective, they're still like the top of the 
And, mm-hmm. and Netflix has influenced so much, like a lot of the things that people talk about uh, in terms of business stuff, like uh, pay um, in terms of like, like the whole Scarlett Johansson thing about moving oh, yeah. Black Widow to Disney plus the, the, the primary issue that she had there is in theatrical. She got back end money Yes, on streaming. You don't get Jack mm-hmm. streaming tends to pay upfront and then they own it. Like it's on the streaming platform forever. You're not getting any DVD or Blu-ray sales. Right. You're not getting any extra, like selling it to TV networks, which is another way that, like it used to be, we would take movies and we'd sell them to TV networks. And that would also make money for the film production. In the age of streaming, all of that's gone. Mm-hmm. And that was what the Scarlett Johansson thing was. And that model is predicated on Netflix. Like yeah. everyone looked at Netflix and said, wait, we can just pay people up front and then never give them anything after that. <laughs> like, like they'll, yeah, the, the, the long tail belongs to the service. Now it's not, it's not royalties paid out to a lot of different people. Right. And, and the reason seasons seasons used to be 22 episodes, like 20, right. 22 episodes. Now seasons are eight to 10. That is mm-hmm. also primarily on the back of Netflix. Yeah. So Netflix changed the industry and it's still the big dog. And it has all these additional knock-on effects. There was a tweet earlier uh, about a staff writer talking about part of the issue is, like back in the day when you were a staff writer, if you got a staff writer on a show, that's 22 episodes a season. Right. You didn't write every episode, but then you also get to come back for that next season and that next season. But Netflix is canceling shows in season one. They're canceling uh-huh. them in season two. So you're not, if you're a staff writer on a show, there's only eight episodes in that season. And then it gets either canceled because of ratings or it gets just canceled because Netflix doesn't want to pay more for that show. Yeah. Um, but the Netflix is infamous for the three season cancellation. Uh-huh. Um, and then you're, you're out of luck and then you have to go staff usually on another show, which also only has eight to 10 episodes. Um, and that's why like there, there's a lot of additional knockout effects. And like one of the things that people like a lot of people look at, at the MCU and yes, it's a machine. It creates samey stuff. But part of the reason that people like working with Kevin Feige is because if he likes you, and you do oh, he, good on a project, he oh, makes yeah. sure that you work on something else. Yeah, you're you're like in the system and yeah. you're 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 gonna get you're gonna get retained like on something. Ryan Coogler got a, a full Disney production deal. Uh, mm-hmm. the Daniel uh, Dustin Cretton, um, who was their uh, director for Shang-Chi, also got one of those and immediately right. moved on to making uh, American born Chinese, like, like once you're in, you're in the, the writer for Loki, he really liked him. He used to be an animation guy and now he's writing the next star Wars movie for Feige. And like, 
once he likes you, you're in. Yeah. yeah. And that is job security. Mm. Um, and job security is hard to come by. Like uh, another weird tangent is the flash flash was on season season seven. I think it's terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible show. And everyone's <laughs> like, why is it still there? Uh, because it pays an entire crew. Yeah. Like there is a entire full crew of people who have a consistent salary. Yeah. And that's rare now in the age yeah. of streaming. So, yeah, no, I, that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, Netflix has, has changed a lot in that regard. I, it is, it's been really interesting. You're right about the Marvel stuff. Like I, I have a lot of issues with the way Marvel has really taken over a lot of the just overall discourse with uh, film and filmmaking. Um, obviously that a lot of people are just fatigued by all, right. even the discourse too. But it's like, yeah, like when you kind of look at the web of, folks that are making money doing this stuff. Like I do think that's a net positive. I do think it is a net positive to have consistent, um, you know, people in, you know, with work in this environment. And like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these shows, like, you know, like the flash, like what arrows got like season 10 or something. Right. Um, yeah. Arrow was arrow got to seven and then stopped. Arrow and the, got and to the seven. big one okay. was supernatural, which got to 15. That's right. Supernatural is so funny to me. Yeah. And they said around season 12, Oh, we'll just keep doing it. I, I, I want to say either <laughs> Jensen Ackles or Jared Padalecki, like even acknowledge, like we'll keep doing it because we have an entire production crew and we, we paid like us being yeah, great. there pays yeah. their salary. So we'll just keep yeah. doing it until we like really just get too fucking tired of it, mm-hmm. which yeah. I'm sure for them was like back <laughs> season in season eight, eight or something, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause 15 seasons of television is That's like so much, like imagine how much of your life w- went to that. Um, yeah. And, and so like that that is a part of this thing and you know, everything's changing in television. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it, there's also stuff changing and, and streaming and things are starting to blend. Yeah. And Netflix is driving all of that. Like a yeah. lot of people don't realize how much Netflix is the one that made it mm. this way. And then everyone else, Warner, Disney, looked at Netflix and was like, wait, you're, you guys are going to let them do that from a business perspective? Mm. Well, then we want to do that. Like yeah. we, we want to just own a show and leave it on a thing and not sell it to anyone else or do anything. We want to just own it forever. Yeah. It, 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 it fits very neatly into their overall idea of how media should work. So yeah. Um, yeah. And, and for Netflix, I mean, even their stock price, it dropped a lot and they lost a lot of value, but yeah. a lot of that was probably um, inflated because again, yeah, I mean, Wall Street whatever, perception. Yeah, whenever you have a stock price drop that much or or even a sin that much, it's usually some sort of narrative, some sort of perception that gets uh that that has a snowball effect. And so if you are a Netflix uh stockholder and you woke up uh the other day and saw uh the what $200 loss or whatever, um 
I I would probably not panic about that because I do think it's probably overblown. But it's also it also is a little little bit indicative of like okay, like they had a they had a lost um, uh, subscriber count in a quarter for the first time in a decade. Like that's a big deal. I know there are some extenuating circumstances, but like that feels big. And obviously their spending issues are going to catch up with them, but they seem to be at least a, I mean, I say that they seem to be at least a little bit aware of that. Um, I can't imagine there'll be another show like stranger things that gets a $30 million episode, uh, uh, cost. So I don't know. Um, I want to briefly, just really briefly, because I still think we, we don't know, all the details, but did you, did you catch up with any of the CNN plus stuff that happened this week? Uh, yes, I did. I did. Uh, it's and that, really funny. And that's another <laughs> one. So, so uh, as to explain, uh, basically prior to the merger, when it was owned by AT&T, yeah. uh, Warner media decided, Hey, why don't we take CNN and launch a CNN streaming service called CNN plus, which was touted, uh, like, hey, get really close to the people who make the news, get closer yeah. to news stories, yada, yada. Um, and like the, basically AT&T got rid of Warner Media because they realized, oh, this is not really worth it for us at all. And Discovery uh, picked it up and merged with Warner Media to create, I, I think it's, Warner is either Warner Media Discovery or Discovery Warner Media. It's one of those merger things. Yeah. Um, and I think um, it's I think it's Discovery Warner. I okay. Think. Yeah. I mean, Discovery is is definitely the parent in this situation because yeah. um, uh, a lot of people did not realize uh, Discovery makes a shit ton of money. No, nope, I was wrong. It's Warner Brothers Discovery. Okay. Anyway, it's Warner Brothers. I, I, I think Warner Brothers is the is the culturally powerful yeah. one which is why it came first but yeah. discovery is the parent company the new yes. ceo is uh zaslav who is was the ceo of discovery uh basically as soon as the merger finished uh, zaslav looked at cnn plus and said no and <laughs> just canceled it and it's one of those situations where there was a story uh, and it was like apparently when they thought it was a good idea there was a consulting company called kinsey uh-huh. Makes a ton of money doing yep. nonsense. Who told them that they would get two million um subscribers like early on? Yeah. And like from from the jump, two million and something like eighteen million in the in the next like few years. Um, um which any which idiot with inside CNN could have told you no. Like well, but the, the service the service didn't even include live CNN. It's just all, and that was such a mis that was such a misconception. Like a lot of people thought, okay, well, I'll get CNN and all the live streamed CNN news services as well as all this other content. But no, it was just the content. It's just a Rex Chapman show and like st- stuff with these personalities that had never been given any sort of real push on actual CNN networks instead we're just given these like shows. It's like, yeah, basically like get, get to know all these people more. And it's like, well, yeah, but it doesn't even come with the shit that I got, I got to know these people on. Um, it was such a, a weird false start. Yeah. And, and, and one, like, like you paid Kinsey to tell you what you wanted to hear that CNN plus was going to be good. <laughs> no, anyone could have told you that was a, 
a terrible idea. A bad idea. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't, I don't, at least for me, like I don't care about any of these people. I need them to tell me the news. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and CNN released a tweet on the news, which was like CNN plus the streaming service that was hyped as one of the most significant developments in the history of CNN will shut down on April 30th, just one <laughs> month after it launched. And I was like, damn social media guy. Like you That's really, cold. like you really hated CNN plus. Yeah. Um, social media people twist the knife on that one. That was, that was wild. Yeah, it was so. Uh, and so, yeah, Zaslav, like, I, it's actually kind of a, a, a smart business move. I, I would think that a lot of CEOs might let it run for a little bit. Um, he was like, no, this, this has to go completely. Uh, a lot of people don't even realize CNN Plus launched. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, most people didn't. I think I, you know, I was talking to people online yesterday about like, oh, the first time they realized that it had actually launched and started was the day that they were told it was shutting down. Um, so, yeah, it was obviously at some point in this process that team knew that something was not was was going to not happen because there was not a massive marketing push, I feel like, in the past couple of weeks. Um to get people to sign up for this. I mean, I'm not even like the biggest CNN head, but it's like, I feel like when these services launch, I am at least aware of, um, you know, what they're offering and how much I can, like how much they are. This shit is just like a total black box. And um, now we know it's because uh, it was probably never really going to get off the ground. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, Warner discovery did actually get a new logo this morning. This is like a brand new uh, like Friday morning thing. Um, they had had that like unbelievably bad um, kind of 3D. Looks like it was made in five seconds um, in Canva or something logo. And now it just looks a lot like the old Warner Brothers logo. But y'all can go look that up. It's a good, It's it, it is a good change. Um, gosh, it, what's your favorite streaming service right now? Because I am unfortunately subscribed to, I want to say eight of them. What What is... What's one that you you feel like is getting your best value for dollar right now? I I am also subscribed to a bunch. Um, yeah. And actually, luckily, I got to lose one because um, Funimation uh, Crunchyroll was acquired yeah. by Sony, so Funimation yeah. gets to go away. Um, yep. At the very moment, probably probably Crunchyroll because the new mm. season of anime just started. So I'm okay. like checking off a whole bunch uh, of shows. Um trying to think of what else. Uh, HBO Max feels like it has the most, like it's pretty good. The, the comprehensive nature of, of like Turner classic movie stuff and yeah. the DC stuff and like, real ass movies like drive my car or the Batman. Like it, it yeah. feels holistic, but I, I, I would probably say day to day. I probably don't watch it as much. Like I come to it for specific things when they come out and then right. it just never gets used otherwise. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. I think uh, I'll be interested to see what happens when the, 
I, I don't know, when the full kind of discovery uh, Warner, you know, what what happens with the app? Does Discovery I, Plus just totally go away? Does it get folded in? I think um, they said, they finally said that they were merging them both together. Okay. Um, which, because- which creates, which creates a value. If you like trashy TV and or cooking shows, HBO Max becomes a more, a much more valuable thing after that happens. Yeah. Because a, a, a lot of people, again, when the Discovery thing happened, people were like, wait, Discovery bought like and they're the oh, ones they're in charge because discovery makes like hgtv um yeah. cooking uh yep. cooking channel food network tlc all, all yep. that stuff that people really watch passively that's the kind of stuff that made netflix big back in the day uh-huh. just like full yep. series seasons of stuff yeah that's all discovery and people will put on like like uh the last time I went to a doctor's office, HGTV was just in the background. Yeah. Like same just, with my, same with my dentist. They just have the house improvement stuff on. Yeah. Right. And it can run like, you can run like four or five episodes and not realize that anything happened. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that discovery traffics in. And most of that stuff is dirt cheap. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. I like, I think one of the most interesting discovery has done is they partnered with um, Chip and Joanna Gaines, who are the uh, the uh, they're like house flippers and like they did they do stuff in Waco, Texas. Right. They basically taken over Waco, Texas. They make a ton of content really cheaply, but because people trust these two uh, Southern Baptist white people, um, like they they make a ton of content and. It all does super well. And so Discovery kind of paired with them to create like the Magnolia network that's kind of folded into Discovery. Discovery Plus has got – honestly, Discovery Plus is not a bad app if you like to passively watch stuff like Mike just said. Like you can turn on House Hunters. They have a channel that's just House Hunters and that is the most no-brain-ass TV show in history and you can lose – five hours like it's nothing when and so yeah when, when i was at pc mag uh discovery plus came out and jordan minor a colleague said it was his top network because he and his fiance at the time now wife uh were obsessed with 90 day fiance 90 day fiance yep. and so they could just put it on and, yep. and these are shows up like multiple hundreds of episodes, like house hunters is way up there. Oh yeah. Just put it on and, and never see another, never run out. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, the, the 90 day fiance thing is so funny. I can't believe I'm doing like the hard sell on discovery plus (laughs) right now, but like, like if you, if y'all passively or like casually like 90 day fiance, but are like, wow, I wish I, I kind of wish I knew more about these absolute, maniacs that are on this show discovery plus like has uh, like explicit content they have a show called the single life which is a m-rated show where uh basically rejects from 90 day fiance like go back into the dating pool and it's like a weird raunchy 
like show, but it's like an M rated version of 90 day fiance. They've got after specials on everything. It is so bizarre because you're right. I think it's also cheaply made that, um, that they could just make a ton of it. And it's, it seems to be fairly popular. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Discovery is one of those like dark, like they, they, they feel like a dark horse, but it's like, they've, they've really, really found their niche and they've made a ton of money doing it. Right. And, and like, Holistically, you put them together uh, like that's a and, and I, I believe the quote from Zaslav was like, we want to put everything together and make it a platform that we can take anywhere worldwide. Right. Which, yeah, um, I will say. Uh, HBO Max is already sort of a mess of. Yeah. In terms of layout and how everything is. is oh, the up. app is terrible. The yeah. app is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I I question how you are going to add like like Discovery Plus makes some sort of sense because you yeah. still treat all of that stuff mentally as like oh it's just reality TV yeah 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 um, adding all of that together with HBO Max is mm. like I don't I'm it'll be amazing to have it all in one place but yeah. Max is already a mess. And yeah. so, um, I, I yeah. don't know how you, you sort of fix that. Maybe you do the same thing Disney plus does where you're like, all right, these are the six things people care about. Here's, mm-hmm. here's the HBO tab, the DC tab, the discovery tab, and then you go from there. Yeah. Um, it's like t- Turner networks. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's, um, yeah, there's there's uh, HBO Max has got a lot and I don't think it's well organized. I think they'll have to do a pretty, pretty major redesign if they want to make that work. But, um, yeah, I think I think the, the Disney Plus solution probably makes the most sense to do something that's like, you know, shorter term. Um, but it's still a mess. It is a mess of an app. I agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Zaslav looked at that and he looked at what they had and have they were already doing great with discovery. Um, Warner definitely needs like, I, I don't know what happened at Warner brothers to get them. So cursed. Um, <laughs> uh, DC is uneven. Like it's got some really great stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and they, they've sort of uh, landed pretty well. Like peacemaker was fantastic, yeah. uh, which was on HBO max. Um, but also uh, they got, the Ezra Miller thing that's affecting the flash. Yeah. Um, Aquaman two was supposed to be this Christmas going up against, uh, avatar, uh, super Mario and a whole bunch of other films. Uh, instead they pushed Aquaman back because I think James Wan said he needed more time and they put Shazam two in its place. Mm -hmm. And Shazam two might be very fun. The first movie was very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. But putting it there in December is sending it out to die. Um, And that's and then they still got to do Flash in 2023 uh, with all of the Ezra Miller stuff. Fantastic Beasts utterly tanked um, (laughs) uh, at the box office. And uh, they can't do anything else at the Wizarding World without uh, the millstone that is J.K. Rowling around their neck. Mm-mm. Um, they they just feel cursed. Uh, 
yeah. <laughs> in such the in a weird way, which yeah. is sad because they do they do some really great stuff. Like I said, the, the HBO Max is, is a great uh, series of content. Like the Batman is great. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, and and, and, you, and you and you could still see that in theaters right now. But it's nice that a month after its release or whatever, it's on HBO Max. Like I think that's you know that's. That's nice. Now, I can tell you that the weekend that we found out that it was coming out to HBO Max very soon, I was about to get ready to go spend another 15 bucks <laughs> to go see that in the movie theater. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh, never mind. I'm sure in the long run, they don't care. But it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to happen. Yeah, um, like m- movies tend to make the brunt of their box office in that first 45 days, of course, but right. there is that extra little bit of, Oh, I know it's coming. So yeah. I'll wait. So I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whereas like a, like a Spider-Man or like a Marvel film, you do know it's coming, but you don't think about it like that. No, mm-mm. you don't, you don't have the same expectation and you know, the, you know, the period will be a, a little bit longer. And also, um, I mean, I, I, like Spider-Man's not like, I guess, the best example because there are weird rights issues there. But it's like, you know, for a while, like you weren't actually sure what was coming to Disney Plus. Like I like with the Marvel stuff, it's like that stuff trickled in in a really bizarre way. And it's only been recently that it's all kind of come together. But it's like um, it's still a very fascinating set of issues. Yeah. Um, so it, it's uh, yeah. it's. It's a very, the streaming space is interesting and I'm, I'm currently, um, like, you know, I'm pulled in so many directions. Uh, I, I have Paramount plus because I'm a Star Trek fan. So sure. I'm waiting for Star Trek, strange new worlds to start, which is very soon. Um, but also I have Peacock because I was watching Bel Air, which is by the way, fantastic. Uh, once oh, you, wow. once you get over the, the, oh, this isn't a comedy anymore. It's a great show. It's, it, All right. it just is. Um, and also Columbo is on Peacock. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so that's, that's probably my next one. I also use like stuff like Tubi, like the ad supported shows. And that's, sure. that's of course the next step for a lot of these services, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. adding a, an ad supported tier. Um, I believe that HBO max is toying with the idea. If they haven't already said that they're going to yeah. do it. Um, Disney hasn't said anything, but Disney is also the cheapest of the services mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So like ad support, like Netflix was going to go in that way anyways. Right. Yes. But after the, after the report that they lost subscribers and they were going to lose more, it just looks bad. Yeah. It looks bad. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you for uh, for filling in a lot of gaps that I I know that I had. I'm sure some of our listeners also had. Um, what a what a bizarre time! Um, oh, it's so fun. This is this it is, is fun. This is because the the medium is the message. Uh-huh. How thank your you. sh- how your shows <laughs> and and stuff is made determines how the story will be told. So I think it's important. Uh, just like I, I was just lamenting to someone, the 22 episode genre show. 
Like I used to love Stargate SG one and stuff like that. And you can't do that kind of show in an eight to 10 episode season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so those just don't get made anymore. Like they just really don't exist. I think the last one is maybe like legends of tomorrow or the flash or, you know, where it's just like people screwing around in the wilds of Canada for for however many, like it's very cheap, but they don't make that kind of show anymore. Uh So that's why I I keep track of all this business stuff because I want to know like, okay, so how, how will shows be now? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good thing to pay attention to. And I, I also want to thank you for uh, bringing um, Marshall McLuhan up in in the show. (laughs) I appreciate it. The medium is the message. Um, uh, All right, let's, uh, let's wrap. I think this is a great conversation. Thanks for coming by. If there's other developments in this area, I definitely want to have you back on. Thanks for having me. I got to be straight up. There's not a lot of amazing stuff coming out this week, but we still need to talk about the games that are coming out and what you should know about them. Uh, one is Zombie Army 4 Dead War for Nintendo Switch. That's out on some other platforms already, including PlayStation 4, PS, uh, PC, Xbox One, and Google Stadia. Uh, and it's a shooter and now it's out on switch as of this week. So that's exciting news. So if you've been waiting for zombie army Four, uh, a game, I am legitimately excited to maybe dip back into is the Stanley parable ultra deluxe, which is the definitive edition of a very interesting game, uh, from many years ago, PlayStation five, Xbox series, X and S PlayStation four, Xbox one, Nintendo switch and PC. That's April 27th. Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt is a PS5 and PC game coming on April 27th. Bug Snacks, you know Bug Snacks. It was a PS5 game, uh, and, and now it's coming out for Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on April 28th. We are real mixed on Bug Snacks here at Fanbyte. Some people like it. Some people didn't think it was that great. Its ending was certainly divisive, but now you can definitely check it out on these other platforms and see what the fuss is about. Uh, Dorfomatic is coming to PS5 on April 28th. Rogue Legacy 2 is exciting to some folks that are happy to see a sequel to one of the uh, more critically recognized Rogue Lights of the past decade. Uh, coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC on April 28th. Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1 is a PS4 game coming on April 28th. Unsold that's like U-N-S-O-U-L-E-D. Uh, that's coming to Xbox Series X and X. S and X and S. Gosh, I still can't say that. Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC on April 28th. And finally, on April 29th is Nintendo Switch Sports. This is, uh, you know, less than a week away at this point, and I still feel like it's flying way under the radar. It's a follow-up to Wii Sports Resort and Wii Sports. It's just like so under the radar. I think it's because it's under the radar probably mostly because there are no more Miis in it which is kind of sad. I wish it had me's in it, but it still looks very cool. Delightful. It has a lot of sports in it, including like badminton, volleyball, uh, soccer. It, it looks nice. And we will definitely be playing it on some streams here at fanbyte.com. That is of course, twitch.tv slash fanbyte. 
Nikki Grayson is super excited about uh, Nintendo Switch Sports, and I'm definitely excited to take it for a spin as well. And again, that is going to be on April 29th, 2022. Uh, and that's really it. Um, not a ton going on in games. We should have a lot of um, a lot of information about the PS Plus stuff, as well as the Xbox Game Pass stuff for May uh, next week. But for now, that's uh, that's all we got for for this coming week. So enjoy what you got. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Mike Williams. You can find him over at automatic Zen on twitter.com. And of course our very own final fantasy 14 vertical, the link shell.com. Uh, he does a ton of amazing work there. He also does, uh, just general writing for us, uh, and is an excellent follow on Twitter. If you need anime recommendations, if you need information about new films coming out, he's just an excellent follow. And I think you should, uh, you should go click. You should go click the follow button over on his account right now. Uh, if you want to follow Paul, my producer over on Twitter, you can do so at Polly Mayo. Uh, all of our podcasts, some of which Paul produces, uh, are over at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Uh, I can be found at floppy adult on Twitter. Our, uh, our overall Twitter account fanbyte can be found at fanbyte media. We have a TikTok and an Instagram account that I think you should check out. We do have a Facebook account, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> I mean, I do, but it's just, it's so bad over there. Anyway, uh, I also have a show every Tuesday morning uh, over on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. It's called Tuesday Morning in the Show. It is a companion piece for this show. We usually kind of set up uh, what this show will be. TFTK will be every Tuesday morning. We'll usually talk about uh, early week news. We usually talk about uh, new games that are out as well as uh, miscellaneous things like cooking and, and scandal. It's a really good time. Twitch.tv slash fanbyte every Tuesday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern. It's an early one, but it's worth it. Uh, all right, folks, I think that's going to do it. I think I've hit all the bases. I think I've, I think I've covered my ass. Uh, <laughs> and you're welcome. Welcome.